0: This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, George Toman talks about staying spiritually strong during our isolation from Mass and one another. One Body, one body Stewarding God's Creation. One body, one body And now, here's George Toman.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome again to the One Body Show here on Divine Mercy Radio. My name is George Tolman, and as always, it is a pleasure to be on the air again with you today and to get to talk a little bit about our holy Catholic faith. I would like to begin our talk today with a prayer, and this is um, a prayer that many know. It's not recited as often, but it is a prayer that is known by a lot of individuals, and that is Prayer to the Holy Spirit, um, the Come Holy Spirit prayer. And so if you would join with me, please, to begin our time together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, Grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, my name is George Toman. For those of you who are regular listeners to the program, this voice and this name is very familiar to you. But for those of you who uh, may not be as familiar, I currently live in, in western Nebraska, and I was I am a graduate of Forge State University. And I graduated in 2014, completed my internship in 2015. While I was there, I got a chance to uh, to be able to be part of the campus center and get a chance to meet a lot of good people and also have some exposure to Divine Mercy Radio. And so every now and then, the Danetta and the crew there allow me to to share some of my ideas via the One Body Show, and I'm very thankful that I get another opportunity with you. This talk that we're going to endeavor into today is a direct response to what is currently going on in the current time. And so, similar to a previous talk that I did titled Faith, um, Faith Reason, and Prudence, I want to just set up the stage to help everyone understand kind of what's going on and and helps put into context why I'm saying what I am. So I'm currently recording this at the end of March of 2020. And right now, as it is, we are on the brink of multiple states and multiple communities going into a temporary shutdown uh, due to coronavirus concerns. And its manifestation in COVID nineteen and the medical issues associated with it. When I did my previous talk, faith, reason, prudence—that we didn't things evolved quite a bit since that last uh, broadcast. And so, even today, we are seeing some new information and some new um, new conversations, if you will, talking about how are we going to handle uh, this global pandemic even in other countries around the world, such as Italy, where the death rates have been spiking over 300 people, sometimes closer to 400, if not getting to that 500 range per day of reported deaths due to coronavirus. Um, We're hearing uh, religious communities, elderly homes, etc., having a few patients being reported uh, positive of coronavirus, and then now it's in multiple people. The spread is very real, and there are quite a number of opinions about how to how to handle this and, and what's being done, and so in context to put it plainly, these are some difficult, trying times. And if you are listening to me um, on the first broadcast, or at least within the first week of of this of this being put on air, um, you are very familiar and very well aware of what's going on. It's definitely a, u- a unique time uh, to be around not only in the United States, but also globally. With that, also, our Catholic leaders have also made some pretty dramatic uh, steps to ensure public safety, as well as trying to do its best to meet in the middle regarding administration of the sacraments and also some other duties of the church. And, and the one that hits home the most is the fact that currently at this time, There are multiple dioceses around the country who have basically um, said straight out that the public display of the Mass, the ability for people to come and participate with the priest at Mass and, and join in that sacrifice, that that obligation from the sense of the Sunday obligation is gone, but also it is not allowed, um, sometimes by law enforcement now it wasn't that way before, but now even by law enforcement that if people were to congregate at, at a religious service of more than 10 people sometimes even more than 5, then that there could be some um, legal issues to deal with. and so the public administration of the mass and some of the sacraments has been uh, removed. Now mind you, um, not necessarily cancelled. Uh, in fact, I would argue that many priests are doing their faithful duty of praying at least one mass a day, especially for their people and also for the intention in which that mass is for. And going into the weekends, though public worship um, has been has been basically banned. Um, for lack of a better phrase, there are still private participations in the worship of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass by the priest saying the Mass for his people. And it's interesting seeing the results, or not the results, excuse me, the, the reactions from a lot of people about this move. Some are very for it. Some are very against it. Others don't have an opinion, and that's kind of sad that they don't have an opinion, but that does exist in Catholic land. But what I want to do today is give some insight into things that we can do as lay people during this time to still participate in the holy sacrifice of the mass, even though we're not there physically. But also give some ideas about with our prayer and also um, looking at some of the other things that we can do to keep maintaining that uh, spirit of love and that spirit of worshiping God without having access to some, some of the sacraments um, like we used to. And so that's really the pinnacle of my talk today. And I had to really explain that in order to help to understand what's going on. Because I say these things not to repeat what's already been said, even though a lot of the things I will say have been mentioned across multiple respected Catholic outlets before. But the reason why I say it is because especially now, it is important that we keep a consistent line of communication and good information regarding how we can help our people and also help Holy Mother Church in this time of need. And so there's three things that I'm going to recommend with you today, and I'm going to explain them at various levels. And and what I'm hoping is You'll be able to take one of these ideas, if you haven't already, and embrace it so that it can become part of your spiritual life. Now, one of the things about this Lenten season, we are in the middle of Lent. In fact, actually, we're past the halfway point. This is a Lent of that, at least in my lifetime, uh, is very unique on multiple levels. And the very fact that the sacraments are not readily available to us, as they usually are, has really brought a new perspective of of what Lent means and the phrase, Come Lord Jesus. When you think about what's going on today and some of the, the many difficulties that we face, now I forgot to mention at the very beginning that compared to my previous talk a week ago, if you just listened to Faith, Reason, and Prudence or whenever the broadcast has been on air, there's been dramatic changes, dramatic changes, even in the sense of employment. And because of that, we might see some very significant impacts from a socioeconomic level, based on our response to coronavirus. And because of that there's gonna be more angst and anxiety. And so I say that not to not to scare us or to bring a to a reality that maybe some of you are are facing currently as you're listening to this. But I bring out the important point That in a few weeks, we will worship, we will celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lent will be over, Easter will begin. That is literally within three weekends of me broadcasting this talk. And one of the things that I believe could be a very beautiful factor in all of this is that as we get closer to the Easter season maybe we will be reminded of the importance of the Savior and the importance of His sacrifice for us because, quite frankly, folks, who else will we need to turn to in times of great suffering and trial? I mentioned in my previous talk that in times of great trial, our Lord desires the greatest victory. And I stand by that not only because it's scripturally proven by His his death and resurrection, but also throughout history. You look at some of the greatest accomplishments that have happened throughout history, especially those done in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and done authentically in charity, I should say. There are some very great feats that have happened. A couple examples that come to mind right off the top of my head is, number one, looking at how the great Saint John Paul II literally helped destroy the walls of communism. Obviously, there was a lot of people and a lot of things involved, but he took a very strong religious stance and said, I have the Holy Spirit on my side, and we're going to get rid of this for the sake of the human dignity of all people. And what happens? The walls of the Kremlin go down. That's historical fact. That's historical fact. You take a look at other moments of history where we have utilized the the powers of, of God, His Blessed Lady, etc., and we find a very unique relationship between God taking that greatest trial and turning it into his greatest victory. And so with all that said, I share all of this again as a means to provide help and support in a time that many of us may feel isolated, many of us might be confused, and hopefully at the end of the day, um, we'll be able to find some strength to be able to move on. And be able to do what we need to, to help our brothers and sisters and help ourselves in this time of literally great difficulty. And so with all that said, let me, let's me let go ahead and break down the couple of things that I'd like to share with you. The first is, I want us to have a perspective on the Mass. What it is and what it isn't. That's going to be number one. Number two, I want to look at specifically what we can do with the Scriptures themselves that are set at Mass and pray with them in our homes and make it a part of our work week. And then three, I want to talk about the recitation of the Most Holy Rosary and conclude with an encyclical that that Saint Pope Leo the Great wrote back in the late 1800s dealing with another pandemic that was going on at the time where he asked the faithful to pray the Holy Rosary. Literally soon after that, there was great successes in the sense of the the pandemic being um, put aside. So let's begin with number one today what the Mass is and what it isn't. And the reason why I want to bring this up is I think people have lost, even in Catholic land, the reason why we go to Mass. And I think some of the reactions that have spurred, um, especially with the public worship of the sacraments being basically on delay and being banned in some cases due to coronavirus needs, I think some of the reactions are reflective of, do you really know what we're talking about when we think about the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and also the importance of the priesthood? I think for far too long, we have, in a general sense, have come to the understanding that the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is meant for me, and that is wrong. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is for God, so we don't show up because necessarily we get something out of it, even though, yes... As a complementary factor, supplementary factor, we do get something out of it. But the most important reason why we show up for Mass is for what Jesus does at that moment. We are there for Him. And so a quick theological lesson, if you will, that should be known, I think, by anyone who is willing to be confirmed, um, or at least sometime in their lifetime, profess the name of being Catholic. In the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, it is simply... Heaven meets earth. In fact, in a very real spiritual way, they are united. So in the moment of mass, the reason why it is there is the holy sacrifice of the mass. Why do we call it the holy sacrifice? For those of you who are well well educated in the faith, you know what that is. But maybe for some who need the reminder, we call it the holy sacrifice of the mass because it is a re-representation. It is literally Christ and his perpetual sacrifice on the cross coming alive to us in the moment. So when our Lord Jesus Christ is being elevated by the priest, when the priest says, this is my body, which have been given up for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When he says those words and he elevates that bread and elevates that wine right in mass, that bread and wine become his body and blood. And in that moment, we literally leave our time and space and meet Jesus at the cross As if we were right there with Mary and John looking up at the Savior. And that is why we go to Mass, to be there for Jesus. Now again, we do quote-unquote get something out of it. And what we get out of it is that since we are there with our Lord Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, in that holy sacrifice, he then in turn sanctifies us by literally giving himself to us. And so again, folks, Mass is not about us and what we get. That's the big difference between Protestantism and Catholicism. In Catholicism, we go to Mass because at the end of the day, we desire to be there with our Lord Jesus Christ. In Protestantism, though there are many Protestant faiths and churches that believe that they are there for our Lord, many of the times the worship services are geared towards what the people want that's why you see the drums and the guitars and some of the other things that look very foreign to the Catholic ex- experience, because the, the relationship is different. We don't view worship the same way. When Catholics talk about worship of our Lord Jesus Christ and the holy sacrifice of the mass, we are literally talking about being there with our Lord at the Passover feast. They're on Calvary there at mass. That's what we're talking about. We're not trying to reach up to the heavens using our senses use our senses in the sense of of being able to to reach up to God and be able to experience him. No, we are there really with him. That's what the holy sacrifice of the mass is. And to reiterate that point, let's turn to the very teaching of our faith. Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1323. For those interested, I'm just going to read it directly at the Last Supper. On the night he was betrayed, our Savior instituted the Eucharistic sacrifice of his body and blood. This he did in order to perpetuate the sacrifice of the cross throughout the ages until he should come again. And so to entrust to his beloved spouse, the church, a memorial of his death and resurrection, a sacrament of love, a sign of unity, a bond of charity, a Paschal banquet in which Christ is consumed, the mind is filled with grace, and a pledge of future glory is given to us. How beautiful is that? We as Catholics go to mass and believe in mass because it is what Christ has perpetually given to us until he comes again. To honor his, the memorial of his death and resurrection. To literally be there with him. We don't have to think of him as a distant memory. Every time we show up to Mass, whether it be daily, weekly, four times a year, whatever the case may be. We are there and the Mass, Jesus makes himself completely present. And then desires to give himself fully to us in one of the most vulnerable ways possible. By putting himself in that bread and that wine. Now, with all that said, how in this time, so when we don't have the public worship, well, how can we still participate? Folks, priests are still saying the Mass. They're just not doing it in front of a bunch of people. I can tell you, the priest friends that I know are very saddened that they don't have their family there with them. But in the grace of the sacrament, those priests have also told me, and they believe sincerely that the spiritual connection to their people could be even stronger because every Mass they recite without anyone there with them reminds them in a more fuller way that I am not doing this just for myself. I am doing this because it is the mandate of the Lord and spiritually we are connected via this Mass. And because of that, even though the public worship might not be available to us, we can still, whether it be Monday, Sunday, whatever the case may be, any day of the week, we can unite our prayers to that of our priests who are offering the Mass for us. And every Mass that is said in your area, in your local region, you can simply ask our Lord in prayer, Lord, I desire to unite my, my intentions, my needs to the Mass said by your Holy Priest." And though I am not there, I fully participate in this prayer to give myself fully to you. May your will be done. Amen. That's the power. In other services and other Christian denominations, you have to show up to get something. Sometimes they don't even have the mandate. You can just do it at your house. But for us, we don't necessarily have to be there, though it is nice to be there, to unite our prayers to our Lord. We don't have to be there. We can simply ask him in prayer, and especially in times like today, we can simply say, Lord, I'm not allowed to go to church right now. My heart is in mourning. Can you please take my prayers and offer them along with the sacrifice that my priest is going to give for his people? And that includes me. Now, with that said, we've seen a lot of movement and a lot of good teaching. I think from a lot of good and reputable Catholic sites talking about the necessity of spiritual communion so that as you're as you're watching a mass on TV or if, if, if you were really wanting to dig deeper into the mass and and, and pray with it, etc., and then get to the point of where, well, we can't receive communion because we're nowhere near a church and we can't get in, make a spiritual communion because done in in grace of our lord and doing it with a full contrite heart and in full belief the spiritual communion has a very efficacious effect and so the beauty of the mass folks again is not that it is there for us per se Again, complimentary and supplementary, absolutely, it's there for us. But primarily, is because Christ has willfully made himself vulnerable again to come down and be with us. The re-representation of the memorial of the sacrifice that he made at Calvary. And because of that participation, any time Mass is said by an ordained minister in the Holy Catholic Church, in union with the apostles, any time a Mass is said, we can unite our prayers to that Mass, even if we are not there physically. And because of that, especially in these times as lay faithful, we can do a lot spiritually simply by praying and recognizing this fact. And I promise you, I promise you, many of our priests have the same mourning, the same suffering as you do, because they like it when people come to Mass. They like having their family there. We call them father for a reason. There are spiritual fathers, and the very fact that the children can't come, that's hard, that, that, that hurts. That hurts. But our priest, God bless them. They're still doing the good fight. Some of them are still offering some of the sacraments in safe ways based on the pandemic and what their bishops have allowed them to do. Others in their obedience, they may not like the decision of public worship of the mass being no more, at least temporarily here. But they are indeed going to take the grace of, I can say this mass for all of my people. And again, I do believe that there is some strong spiritual grace that can happen, especially in this moment when we're in Lent, because we can really focus in on what is, what are we yearning for, what are we desiring when we get to um, that Easter Sunday. So that's number one, and the one I wanted to spend the most time on my talk. When we come back, I'm going to talk about praying with the scriptures and also making prayer a regular part of your routine with your families. And then we'll conclude with some final thoughts. So again, you're listening to The One Body Show. My name is George Tolman. Stick around. We still have half the show to go. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the One Body Show. We were talking before the break about the importance of understanding the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and how we can still participate in the Holy Sacrifice through a spiritual means, through spiritual communion, and also by asking God to offer our prayers and needs and intentions to to the Masses that our priests are saying for us. And now I want to conclude our time, spending the next oh, 15 minutes now, discussing the importance of reading the scriptures in terms of participating in the Mass, and also taking a look at our our prayer life, particularly the Rosary and Divine Mercy Chaplet. So let's start me talking about the, the readings. I am a big believer that one easy practice to help you grow in the faith is taking the following Sunday's readings and reflecting on them a few times during your week literally only takes you 10-15 minutes. You could easily do it as part of your bedtime routine, but none or your morning routine, wherever the case may be for you what whatever you uh, would want to do. But you can take those readings, especially the gospel on the following Sunday and make them as part of your prayerful reflection throughout the week. Now that's probably the easiest you can do especially in this time where you may not have access to the Mass or some of the sacraments. But by taking the readings that are coming up and just reflecting on them, praying with them, you will find a lot of spiritual benefit because you are participating in the upcoming Holy Sacrifice of the Mass simply throughout the week. And of course, I also recommend that, you know, maybe the week weekend previous, let's say you had a two-year-old who was just completely out of whack and you couldn't listen to anything in the Mass then taking those readings and reflecting on them throughout the week from the previous week is also a very good practice as well. Now, I will challenge you here in that since the public participation in the worship of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass has been been basically banned across the country, you taking the Sunday Mass itself, so reading everything from the entrance antiphons to the prayers to the readings, doing that which they are available on on the websites, like on the um, USCCB and the Magnificat. There, there's multiple resources that you can use. But praying those things of the Mass that sometimes we take for granted, like the entrance antiphon and some of the opening prayers, by actively praying with them, especially on Sunday, if you can't make it to Mass, which a lot of us, that's going to be the answer because the public worship is, is not the case right now. It's temporarily banned. By doing that, we get a greater appreciation of what's being said and what's being done. And so for those of you that want a little challenge, I challenge you, do the Mass from the front to the end and pray with it. Again, you don't have to mimic the actions of the priest per se, but even praying like the Eucharistic prayer, just reading it through and just kind of saying, why is the priest saying what he is? Why are we saying the creed the way we are? Why is this reading connected to this? And why does this antiphon connect to this? Studying and praying that is going to be a very good spiritual experience, and I think as lay faithful, again, we show up to Mass and we participate in, in, in the ways that we know, but do we really sit down and ask ourselves, what am I participating in? And we covered the why earlier, why we participate, but now the hows and the whats. You know, how do we do this? What do we do with it? And by simply taking the Mass and just going from front to back, the antiphon to the penitential rite to the opening colic, to the readings, to the creed, to the offertory. Heck, if you're in a family, I even suggest maybe putting a song in there for praying it together. But nonetheless, really absorbing, why are we doing what we do? Some of those Eucharistic prayers, folks, that the priests pray, they might sound routine to us, but they're absolutely beautiful. Some of the most fabulous lines connecting Scripture and the Holy Sacrifice and what our Lord did 2,000 years ago are right there on the printed page but we hear it all the time and we may not be grateful for it. And we may not even pray for, you know, pray about it. And so taking time to do that is I think a very powerful, powerful thing that we can do, especially in this time where we won't be able to participate in the Mass, physically at least. And by connecting these dots the next time we go to Mass, it'll be very beautiful for us because we're going to see things we didn't see before. And so Again, on Sunday especially, but feel free to do it throughout the week. But on Sunday especially, again, watch your Mass on on YouTube, on Facebook, on EWTN, listening to it on Catholic Radio here on Divine Mercy. Doing all of that, but then also taking time to, to think through on Sunday, all right, what do these readings mean for me? And so praying with them, asking the Holy Spirit to come into that moment and spending 10 to 15 minutes of quality time reflecting on the Holy Scriptures. For those of you who want to get challenged, taking time to reflect on the whole Mass, why do we say certain antiphons the way we do? Why is the gospel acclamation the way it is? Why is this Eucharistic prayer so meaningful and powerful? And so we do all of that very beautifully. And that's number two that we can do easily to help improve our spiritual lives in this time of desolation. And then number three, which I will spend the last five, seven minutes on, Is taking time to pray the Holy Rosary, taking time to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet and making a regular part of your day, especially on Sunday, especially on Sunday. Now, I cannot overemphasize the power of the Holy Rosary. I cannot tell you how many graces the Rosary has has given to me and also to my family, and it's not because I just it's it's not like a pop machine where you pray the Rosary and you get something. That's not how the Rosary works. But the more that you delve into the mysteries of the Rosary, the more you delve into the prayers in which she contains, all of a sudden you grow closer to our Lord, especially into His love for the Blessed Virgin. And I've said this on a on a previous radio talk. That, at least in my relationship with Mary and our Lord, it's very fascinating. I pray the rosary. I fall more in love with Our Lady. She then shows me how to become a better man. Our Lord, by helping me become a better man, helps you fall in love more with His mother. And it's just this reciprocal back and forth. That's pretty awesome. But the one thing about the rosary that we cannot forget about is that when we faithfully pray the rosary, and remember, in Catholic teaching, it is a private revelation, so therefore you don't necessarily need to do it as part of anything needed for your salvation in, in terms of uh, your soul, but, but the Holy Mother Church has recognized throughout the many centuries, the millennia, to be blunt, that, look, by praying the rosary, there's a lot of great graces. So going back to the whole communism falling under the watch of Pope John Paul the Great, Pope John Paul the Great, also had a very sincere and devout love for our Blessed Lady, and because of that love, he also grew in a devout and, and great love for our Lord Jesus Christ. And he always had a rosary in his hand. In fact, there were times where he going into complete spiritual ecstasy <laughs> just by praying the rosary. That other people are like, "Dang, how did he? How did he manage that?" Well, it's because. By praying the, the rosary, he was able to have a very clear pathway in terms of understanding the love of our Lord and the love of our Blessed Lady. And because of that, he was continually strengthened. Now, I mentioned at the very beginning of the talk that Pope Leo XIII, Pope Leo the Great, at the end of the 1800s, he actually wrote an encyclical that looked at, or excuse me, that asked the faithful to pray the rosary in response to a cholera epidemic. And how it was ravaging at least the 1800s, quite a bit of Europe and other places around the world. And so he asked the faithful to pray the Rosary in response to the cholera epidemic at the time. And I want to share quickly from that encyclical a line that he has near the end that I believe is very powerful. And so this is actually the very end. He gave, he he gave this in August of 1884, in the seventh years of his pontificate. And so listen to these words. We doubt not, venerable brethren, that rich and abundant fruits will be their suit of these efforts, especially if God, by the bestowal of his heavenly graces, bring an added increase to the fields planted by us and watered by your zeal. We are certain that the faithful of Christendom will hearken the utterance of our apostolic authority with the same fervor of faith and piety of which they have gave most ample evidence last year. May our heavenly patroness, invoked by us for the Rosary, graciously be with us and obtain that all disagreements of opinion being removed and Christianity restored throughout the world may obtain from God the wished for peace in the church in pledge of that boon to you, your clergy and the flock entrusted to your care, we lovingly bestow the apostolic benediction. And that's how he ends the encyclical. It's not a long one, it's only six paragraphs long, but he just reiterates the fact that hey, Even from the previous year, we talked about Our Lady and the Rosary. We are now going to bring that back to the forefront, going into the next year to then bring the Rosary and Our Blessed Lady to the forefront to help resolve the cholera epidemic that at that point was just starting to enter Italy. And history has shown that soon after this, medical professionals and also those of good faith, that combination was able to basically help get rid of that cholera epidemic. And you see, folks, at that point that's historical proof that something really good occurred after uniting praying the rosary together. Now Pope Leo the 13th was really big into some major significant changes in the church from a spiritual level. And so Pope Leo the 13th, we can't forget with him at least one of the big parts of his pontificate was he received visions from our Lord talking about the errors of Russia that were about ready to happen in the next 40 years and he t- and basically in those visions told Pope Leo the 13th hey um, we need to go do something about this and so for those of you who still practice it Pope Leo the 13th you can give him credit for putting in the prayer to Saint Michael at the end of mass or near the end of mass I should say and reciting that as a faithful because our Lord, gave Pope Leo XIII wisdom and inspiration to recommend this this pious practice of invoking St. Michael the Archangel to protect the world and many faithful from the wrath of God that was going to occur if uh, things didn't change. And obviously, we had two world wars right at the turn of the century there, right at the turn of the 20th century, and there was many, many things, many bad things that happened that unfortunately are some that are still felt today. But our Lord Jesus Christ, showing to Pope Leo XIII, hey, put these practices in, has given us now a formula to handle some of those times. And Pope Leo XIII, almost every year of his pontificate, wrote an encyclical towards our Blessed Lady, in description of her or in recommendation of some practice of her. And so his love for Our Lady was very huge. And so there's no mistake, love for Our Lady, love for the Rosary, usually translates into helping beat out great trials of the day. And I would argue that with the coronavirus, we do have a pretty significant challenge of the day. Not too long ago, um, again, in context of when I'm recording this talk, uh, not too long ago, um, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, asked the faithful to recite a rosary together. And so if I'm sure for some of you, you might have been participating in that, where you participated with the Holy Father, with other um, faithful in Italy, and also around the world, praying the Holy Rosary for an end to the coronavirus epidemic. Or excuse me, the pandemic is the correct terminology. We still have coronavirus, but again, to not lose fact of what the rosary does, remember that things don't happen like a pop machine where we hit the button, we insert the money, in this case, praying the rosary, hit a button, all of a sudden we get the thing we want, or in this case a cure for coronavirus. That's not the case. But the spiritual grace is necessary to handle the times that are coming. That's where the rosary comes into play, and it gives us more peace once the Lord's work has been finished in this moment. And so again, I recommend to you very sincerely, from practical experience but also from the history of the church, to make time to pray the Holy Rosary, especially with your family if you have one. Especially with your family if you have one. Pray the Holy Rosary together. If the kids are a little too young, don't feel afraid to go one decade, have them do that, and then let them go play, and then you and your wife or whoever praise the your husband, or the case may be, praise the rest of the rosary um, together as a couple. Even if you're engaged or you're just dating, I suggest praying the rosary as a couple. If you're single like me, enjoy praying the rosary by yourself, or if you have some buddies, you can even like maybe do a Zoom call where, where you pray the rosary um, together in that moment. But nonetheless, there's many opportunities there for you to pray the rosary. And then on top of that, I want to quickly mention the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Because especially in these times, it's important for us to ask the Lord for his mercy, to appease his most sacred heart of anything that could be getting in the way of God bestowing graces on us. Remember, God is, God is one God and three divine persons. And remember, a person similar to us um, is a relation-oriented in, um, individual. So we have the three persons of the Holy Trinity, one God. Every person has a unique relationship with the other. And remember being persons is important that we keep the the context in a relationship. And so sometimes if we do things that are really bad, God doesn't really appreciate that. And throughout history we've seen the phrases of the wrath of God and other things. That's real, folks. I mean Remember, when you get mad at someone, you may not want the best for them, or you might, you know, stop helping them for whatever reason. Sometimes, again, it's not like God wants to do that, but because He is a person, three divine persons, because of that, if we offend our Lord's sacred heart, if we offend the Holy Spirit, if we offend the Father, then, you know, quite frankly, we should get punished for that. Now, to help appease that, Similar to children going up to their dad and going, please have mercy on me. (laughs) You know, I know what I did was wrong, but now I really know and this punishment's a little bit tough. Can you please alleviate from me? That's what we do with prayers like the Divine Mercy Chaplet. And so keeping that in mind, too, to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet, especially for you and your family, your extended family, asking God um, to give mercy to everyone to help free open the gates and free the graces that need to be coming our way, or at least that God desires. And so doing that, I think, is also a really good practice. So to conclude, I want to first say that in times like we're seeing today, the courage that we have towards our faith is is a very strong and great witness. And I hope that for all of you, wherever you may be, that you're taking some time to offer your sufferings and also the joys of these moments to our Lord. And by giving them faithfully to Him, we're then able to not only become stronger disciples for ourselves, but also be able to be there with our Lord Jesus Christ to come for him and to be with him as he desires to be with us in this moment. And so to conclude our talk today, please join with me in a glory be thanking our Lord, thanking the Holy Trinity um, for their, their presence in this world, for their continued support, even if others may not want to turn to God himself and also for his blessing and protection upon us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Thank you, everyone. God bless you. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's One Body Show, Stewarding God's Creation. If you have a comment about today's show, please go to dvmercy.com and click on the One Body icon. The comment button is in the middle of the page. Also, Divine Mercy Radio is expanding into Salina. If you are able to help us in purchasing equipment, we desperately need to. To help build this station, please go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate. Or you can send your donation to Divine Mercy Radio, 108 East 12th Street, Hayes, Kansas 67601. Thank you and God bless you for all your donations. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 88.1 KVDM Hayes, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and soon KJDM 101.7 in Salina. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.